man, I got notes. So much happened. I had to go back and skim through and take notes. <laughs> I did the same thing too. It's just like with these episodes is so crazy because I appreciate this about the show. It's very simple, right? They'll take a simple premise, you know, very basic premise, but then they have so much icing and everything and toppings on top of it that it makes this a full meal, even though it was just like this simple, little simple cake, but it became this big old, you know, decadent dessert because they have all these extra toppings that makes it full. And that way the cake is basic, it's non-offensive, but then you could have all this extra stuff going on on top of it. And I like that they do that because sometimes that just be too complicated, right? And then you either mm-hmm. like it or you don't like it. Versus if you keep it simple and you just kind of decorate it extra fancy, then, you know, you got a little something for everybody and you're not having it where it's just too much going on and you can't scrape it off because it's the cake that you don't like, not the toppings. <laughs> right? You gotta dump the whole cake. But I did go back and I was like, I almost more felt it than noticed what actually was being said, really taking it in, taking it in. So after second viewing, I'm like, yeah, okay. Sometimes just the tone is enough to carry it. Yes. So you just ride in a tone versus actually, oh, this was said. Oh, this happened. Oh, what was that pause for? You know, what was the nuances? So I really went back for those, those nuances. And as much as I caught the first time, the second time was like, oh, wow. And it wasn't even a hard watch to go back because sometimes you see stuff once it's just like okay i survived it the first time i'm not going back in <laughs> yeah no i could definitely go back. <laughs> i could definitely see there's bits if not like whole episode where like could watch most of the so just let it run yeah just let it run there's a, there's definitely enough there and then also these two episodes went together really nicely oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah no i'm i'm glad <laughs> Because we were talking about, like, you know, it's the do we do one episode? Do we mm-hmm. wait for another one? Da, da, da. It was like the last one, stuff happened. Yes. But it's also not a ton. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was just getting going. And then we see the stuff play out in five. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And it was a great tie together of everything too in a different kind of way. It's funny, I guess we're decent amount within the series, I guess. I guess we're on episode, what, five? Yes. Episode five, but it seemed like there's so much stuff behind it that got tied up. I don't know. So yeah, it seemed like it's kind of coming together and, and all the pieces you've been seeing kind of like started fitting together. And it's just like, oh, they're doing this already. So it just, I guess they're just making room for something even bigger. I think that's what that is. They're doing lots. They're doing lots. We should probably start the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think so. I think so too. I think so too. All right. Let's do it. Five, four, three, two. Right, I'm Jay. I'm back again with another one. And tonight I have with me Captain Herpy Derp. <laughs> Captain Herpy Derp. Not Herpy Derp. Herpy Derp. Totally Herp. different. <laughs> no cure for me in sight. I won't go without a fight. I'm the Herpes. The Herpes. See you in hell, motherfuckers. <laughs> One is much more questionable in how, how about you get that title. <laughs> I occasionally misspeak. 
<laughs> I see your repeat. So I feel you. <laughs> I was listening to oh, the, say that. Just, what, put out episode three the other day that we did. And I was like, oh, wow. I called the mines of Mandalore the mines of Moria. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is a slip. Like It happens, especially with all the history and all the plots and subplots and names and the history and the backstories and all that kind of stuff. That's almost kind of like somebody who is a stuntman, you know, tripping on the sidewalk. You kind of forgive him. He does all this <laughs> right? other incredible stuff that he survives. So a little, everybody trips up every once in a while. So I would even. It's not yeah. the Olympics. It's not the Olympics. Right, but uh, but yeah. So no, nah, I find myself too when I'm listening back. Like, oh, I said that wrong. But <laughs> don't worry, I I did my homework because there's like so much to unpack. I've got theories. All right, and let's uh, do this proper. So, chapter 20, The Foundling, slash Jar Jar's Redemption. (laughs) (laughs) Throw in the theme music. Yo, I was not ready for that. So not ready for it. Yeah. This episode was an interesting surprise. It was directed by Carl Weathers once again, which I love his directing style. I love his energy in the episode. Even when it's not a lot going on, I still like his direction and the vibe of his episodes. Surprisingly, it starts off with no like thrust to it. It's just like, hey, the Mandalorians are training. They're shooting the water. And like... (laughs) They're back on that beast where bad things seem to happen every episode. Well, after <laughs> after this episode, certain things click into place, and it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Now, now I kind of understand why they're there. Mm. We'll get into it because it's 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 something they drop in towards the end. But like, essentially, like not quite a training montage, but it's like everyone's out there training to be badass Mandalorians, and it's right. like, uh, why are you guys shooting? the water (laughs) like there's just small stuff but essentially what happens is grogu has to go and okay show him what you can do kid Mm -hmm. and everyone's like that's a baby it's like hey he's my foundling i get to say he's ready to do the thing and they're like are you fucking are you sure (laughs) and even me i'm like are you sure like i know in my head grogu can just force chuck this kid right right which is like, yeah, okay. But they have this whole weird thing where it's like, okay, you're, you you, and the kid mm-hmm. that, that you know, got christened, I think, in the first episode, like, you're, you're going to have a duel. And the kid picks, like, wrist blasters, you know, they're little paintballs. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it was odd, because, like, Grogu's like, uh, am I, what? He gets shot once, and then he gets shot with the other paintball. Right. And of course, then Grogu's like, I, I, I guess I got to do this. And then when they call start on the third one, he just like triple backflips over the kid behind him, triple yeah. backflips back over the kid in front of him and just like bop, 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 shoots all three of his wrist blasters on the kid. Right. Like, <sighs> I understood what they were doing. The whole thing with, you know, Flex and showing his powers and stuff and showing that, you know, he's... He's underestimated, and we all know what he could possibly do, along with his his father. 
but it was kind of like he kind of cheated you know i i know he used what he had but he kind of cheated right. and then i'm like was he really should be able to you know shoot him three times in a row Is, don't you supposed to like have like you know point and then reset the game point what? reset the game why didn't the other kid just shoot right. him three times in a row to begin with and... one, one or the other one or the other but it was still cute it's funny how much you forgive when you have like something cute like grogu that you enjoy seeing you kind of let stuff slide you, you understand what they were trying to to do as yeah. far as like having that situation come up i think something with i don't know maybe just the camera work like mm -hmm could have worked better i can't articulate it more than that but it just felt odd and it might have yeah. just been the fact that it felt like grogu was being forced to do something he didn't want to do but i think what that sets up is all the other mandalorians are now like oh oh that's just not like some little rinky dink little tiny kid that mm -hmm. din has like i think this is, i think this is the first time they've seen Grogu use the Force, right? Right, because right. I think all the other times it's you know been other characters, so that might also be why we get the scene with the armor later, which you know triggers the flashback, which we'll talk about. But the thing that ends that scene <laughs> is we get a kidnapping, and it's another giant monstrous creature. We should call it a disaster. And as we beach. find out, it's not the first person, and I don't think not even the first kid, maybe, that yes. this flying creature, it's called a Shriekhawk. Oh, okay. It's not the first one that they've kidnapped. We see later in its nest, there's a Mandalorian helmet. So, like, it wouldn't be what I would be doing if it was, uh, you know, my foundlings, my kids, my friends. I'd be like, why the fuck are you hanging out here? But as as I will I will get to, I, I think I understand why they're there. It's probably a couple reasons, but. Yeah, with as many disasters that commonly happen in that location to still hang out there when you have other choices or other parts of that planet, there has to be other um places where they could stay it just seemed like why would you just go back like business as usual with this craziness and and then even with the situation when you know the kids get taken by the you know i guess the the space pterodactyl the shriek hawk the shriek hawk it's kind of like when they go to follow the shriek hawk you know you see something that i've never seen before for the first time which is that their jetpacks is running out of fuel and on top of that, this happens all the time, <laughs> right? So if mm -hmm. this is happening all the time, wouldn't you let the person know who has the, the ship, like, hey, follow us. We normally run out of fuel or just follow right. us in your ship. And when we fall out of fuel, you could keep going. I understood and I understand. And then the fact that they just, you know, like you said, just loosely be like this happens kind of this isn't the first time this is like a right. thing like oh we we just ran out of gas oh well like huh like even before the running out of gas this has happened before so <laughs> if you're gonna have people outside there right. needs to be one or two people that are just designated lookouts yes and all their job is to go oh shit here it comes <laughs> like right or that's it. have the jetpack, the other jetpack or the spare jetpack that you pack on you or the extra fuel that you pack on to you or the ship ready to, to take off if right. in this situation you need to follow. 
they were too God far we along. got a quick thinker and Bo-Katan is like yeah i i'm not gonna catch that with my jetpack good thing i got this badass spaceship over here i'm gonna go yeah. hop in that and so they're able to track it all the way back um it's funny that she knew that being new and they who keeps going through the same tragedy didn't think to um resolve it in that way but right. you know it was fun it was, and, it was and, what you know, it was a, a funny thing about like a bad thing happened maybe we should plan around the bad thing maybe happening again mm-hmm. um someone was uh, two things related to the obi-wan show so one side side tangent someone went and redid like 90 percent of the visual effects for that movie and actually like reshot their own green screen stuff and it looks way better, way wait, better. for wait what happened for the obi-wan show yeah like it's a special effects guy i think he might actually like work on other star wars stuff <laughs> okay but it looks way better and the other thing that he did and we're getting closer now to the, the original thing is he so the uh fortress inquiratorius or fortress inquirious whatever it was the where the inquisitors are and they they took leia and mm-hmm. obi-wan broke her out da, da, da. And he went back to the first time it showed up which was um jedi fallen order the video game which i i talked about before right and they had for the obi-wan show changed the design it was still that like very steep pyramid but it had a huge section cut out of it all and like it was way more like night with two giant mo- he just made it look fucking dope wow but the other thing that came up as i was sort of looking at this is someone was talking about how those two things those two instances of jedi fallen order and obi-wan both involve a break-in of the fortress Mm -hmm. both times a jedi swims in underwater and comes in from below Mm -hmm. and causes massive havoc right right you'd think they'd have better defenses for the obi-wan thing so like one thing that happens in jedi fallen order is they actually had I think two Star Destroyers in orbit. And the only way the characters got past it is because they had a, a Night Sister, like Dark Side user, that basically cloaked their ship using the Force. And that's how they got past. But in the Obi Wan show, there's no orbital defenses. Anyway, it's just, it's one of those things where, like, whoa. Why, why would the Empire be consistent? Why would the Mandalorians do the smart thing and put two people on, on watch? It, it's one of those things where it's like, doesn't ruin the story but it just like for people that overthink things like hello hi overthinker um Mm -hmm. it's just like again it makes them look slightly slightly incompetent maybe or just like kind of crazy or just like yeah things attack us we got to be ready for it and that was my problem with wakanda forever (laughs) namor just kept popping up namor just kept popping up in wakanda (laughs) so the interesting thing when so both followed and like there's its nest we can you know we can't really use our jetpacks because it's gonna hear us coming we can't mm-hmm. fly in so they're like planning this mission and and she's like me and din we're definitely gonna go right and then the armor is like to paz that's the big brute with the the chain gun right she's like take the shriekhawk training team they have a shriekhawk training team which <clears throat> becomes relevant at the end of the episode because they capture the Shriekhawks 
little hatchlings, like three of these giant, giant hatchlings with like six feet tall, because right. they're going to train them to ride them because right. the Mandalorians come from a planet with very, very large creatures. And the Shriek Hawk is from Mandalore. Oh. So this planet, this moon, whatever they're on, is vaguely in proximity to Mandalore, and someone brought it here at some point, and probably some of the other megafauna as well. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why they know of this place, but it's also why no one else is around, because you get attacked by megafauna. So the the other fun thing with this is the Shriekhawk is the sigil for Mr. Chaingun's clan, the Vizsla clan. That is their sigil. Huh. So that's kind of ironic. As it turns out later, the kid that got snatched is his son. Yes. Right? Which is a, a, a thing we find out after, like, I think it's like, oh, yeah, they get all the way up to the nest. They they climb right. all the way up. We're skipping a few things. They climb all the way up, and then they're like, we got to make sure it's not around. got to see if we can find him. And then Paz is like, Oh, he's over there. I'm gonna go get him. You're like, wait, we gotta make sure it's safe. He's like, he's my son. Right. Like, he's... oh, you, 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 come on, dad. Like, he's you could have said that sooner. Like, right. He's in a nest making all that noise, and they're trying to scope it out. And he's up there. Trevor, Trevor, are you there? Not that the kid name is Trevor, <laughs> but Trevor, Trevor, are you there? And of course, he wakes up the birds. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing, oh, dude? Man, are you in here, man? Okay, so what gets me is that. Once they got to the mountain where, you know, on the bottom of the mountain where the nest is, they had to camp out there overnight, right? So, <laughs> so, I it, saw baffled, this critique. <laughs> so, so it baffled me. When it's they, your kid. Why are you waiting? Not only that, but the kid was still alive for the shriek hawk to uh -huh. drop it off. Like, okay. So that means that the mother flew around with that kid in her mouth all night to deliver. That's right, she spit him up. A, a, a live kid a spit him up a, a, a live kid for her babies the next day like what was she doing well, all night know, this is also why it's so good that he was wearing his helmet because <laughs> it insulated him from all the stomach acids like yay yay oh boy but it was that, that kid must have like had a really rough time trying to go to sleep inside <laughs> thinking <laughs> gut it was just, you know, but it was still shot well, done well, but it was just funny. The story was just kind of, I, I could see how, you know, if you just turn your brain off and just kind of watch it, it's fun. But, but then also, yes. like I said, yes. if you're a kid watching it, you wouldn't even think twice of that. It just, yeah, that all makes yeah. sense. That's just how that is. Yeah. Yeah. But, you can wait. You can yeah. wait. But since we were watching it with one as a fan and two as somebody who's going to talk about it and review it later, we kind of <laughs> we kind of got to pay attention and we kind of got to put the pieces together. And so um, things that if we were just lightly watching for entertainment, we might roll our eyes at. But then as people that are reviewing it, you have to yeah. kind of bring it up when when discussing our overall thoughts about it. But it, it's, it's nitpicks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it's it's so funny too about sort of it being Paz Vizsla, Paz Vizsla's son. Yeah. And that it's a shriek bat, which is his sigil. So I think I touched on this earlier, like someone else from his clan, free Vizsla, was the one that teamed up with Bo Katayan to start a civil war. 
right? Mm. And mm. going way back, the first Mandalore was Tare Vizsla, a Jedi Mandalorian that makes the Darksaber. And man, the Vizslas have just been fucking up ever since, because they apparently are just the fucking hotheads that are just like, we should be fighting all the time. Like, uh, if, if you think of, like, somehow Mandalorian as, like, Mandalorians, plural, as sort of, like, the ancient Greeks, it's like, they're the Spartans. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are just hardcore all the time. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> to my research that I did, because I was pretty sure I got something wrong about Bo-Katan. So, I mentioned last time, Previsla, Bo-Katan, their group was called the Children of the Watch. Okay. And so, eventually... Eventually, they came across and rescued Darth Maul and his brother with the very subtle naming of Savage Opress. <laughs> Where to God? That's crazy. So creative, George. Um, <laughs> so eventually, they kind of like realize that they have common enemies. Like Maul at this point basically wants revenge on the Emperor. Um, so th- there's a little bit of like we can we can work together and then basically i think free Vizla betrays them they come back and challenge him and kill him and they split the children of the watch so pre is dead some of the uh, the children of the watch go with maul because maul is like pre all about fucking shit up. Yeah. And then Bo-Katan splits away at that point. And she forms the Night Owls. And that's what her sigils on her helmet are. That's why it looks like like two eyes up above with a yeah, beak. Yeah. yeah. That's... So I got that wrong. But that makes it a little bit different than she was on board with Darth Maul. Because once that happens, she's like, peace, I'm out. Nope, not about this. Um... And here's the other fun bit. So, the, I think they're like what Mandalorian special, like super commandos, okay. are what the Mandalorians are that followed Maul, right? Mm-hmm. They switched the coloring to red. Some of them modified their helmets to have horns like Darth Maul. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Right? But <clears throat> coming back now, everyone following along. Coming back now to this show, and I don't know why I didn't make this connection earlier, and it's probably because I just didn't watch the Clone Wars when all this was going on. The armor has horns on her helmet, and their group is called Children of the Watch. Paz Vizsla is part of them, and Pre Vizsla's group with Bo-Katan is Death Watch. Death Watch, Children of the Watch... So there might be a lot more connections with that group and the children of the watch that Din is part of. Okay. Um, now that's my conspiratorial thing that the armor might have been involved in some of that, whether or not that's going to affect anything going forward. Uh, we'll see. We'll see when we get to the end of episode five. Um, <laughs> so, before they do the rescue you're talking about they waited right they gotta wait at night they have the campfire and there's this whole thing where where Bo's like uh they're like passing out the food she's like how do you guys eat and it's like the saddest thing it's like oh we all just go and find a private corner and take our helmets off and eat alone 
and it's like, yo, right. that's that's mm, you guys are not healthy. But the <laughs> the the like that's a little bit of sprinkling of like more of the the culture and all that sort of stuff. But the interesting point, like the I sure the whole reason of that scene is like Bo's getting up to like you know go and find her own spot away from the campfire and Paz Vizsla is like no no you're the war party leader yeah you get the honor of staying at the fire so it's one thing if she had been just like oh you're new okay cool you're helping out but it's like no no this is happening because of you yeah you're in charge you get to stay by the fire so it's it's a very big sort of tonal switch because Paz for the most part has been not friendly to everyone right (laughs) right he doesn't for the most part doesn't give Din the time of day challenge him for the dark saber like he's aggressive and kind of ambitious kind of like pre-Vizsla and look where that got him killed by Maul so it is a it is a switch in how at least he is interacting with Bo-Katan. Yes, and they're using his personality in the right places in the right way to make a certain point. It's almost kind of like um, how they use Worf in Star Trek. Reading my mind, I was literally about to say it's like a weird version of the Worf effect. That's right. Because it's, you know, instead of the we need someone to come across as a badass, have him beat up our badass. It's like, no, we're going to have our jerk who's been a jerk to everyone not be a jerk mm-hmm. and give respect and that means so much more so yeah yes. it was beautifully done it's good i think it's great too that bogotan get a chance to kind of earn her place with them we've seen so many things where one little simple thing or one thing changes the the thoughts and minds of of people around them and all that she's literally piece by piece mm-hmm. either reluctantly or accidentally is going further along within the group you know even her placement as far as like being the leader because she took charge to find the kid so okay well you got the furthest you are leading the situation so even with all that it's just nicely how you know how like i said she's she's like looking up and she's just finding herself progressing further along and it's not even like a sneaky kind of thing it's kind of like She's just doing what she would normally do. Exactly. She just doesn't change herself. any of her moves. Exactly. These are her moves. Exactly. And it's kind of like a <clears throat> an actual sort of meritorious recognition of like, yeah, no, you're good. Here, you'd be in charge. Cool. Um, and then we get the cut back to the armor, having a conversation with Grogu about continuing his training, and she's forging him a new piece of Beskar. Right, right. <laughs> I, I saw things online. It's not a big piece, but for his body size, it like covers his whole chest. And yeah. I saw so many things of like, dude, someone's going to fucking shoot Grogu in the chest. <laughs> and the best guy is going to ping. Right. Like he's going to wear it underneath. Right. And we're going to have a moment of, ah. And it's like, oh, right. He's got the best guy. He's got the best guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I forget like the particulars of what sort of she's talking about but it triggers another flashback for him. Yeah, she was kind of given the history uh, as she was going along with the uh, making of his armor. Oh, Mandalorian history, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which 
brings up his history and then yes. we get the extended order 66 flashback mm -hmm. and man i was not ready for this i was not ready for this and it's not so much the like oh the trauma of grogu it's who saved his ass right it kind of picks up like because he had the vision i forget i think it was uh, uh book of boba fett right he had the flashback with luke mm -hmm. and he kind of just had the scene of a you know fuzzy hallway with some jedi getting killed and that was mostly it and so it pretty much picks up from there we pretty much see the same sort of four, four jedi takes a little bit longer but they go down and he gets shoved basically into a turbo lift turbo lift goes up and when it's when it opens there's a jedi there waiting for him and clearly like waiting specifically for grogu like right. it's a thing that the jedi are trying to get grogu in particular out right why question mark okay, but he picks up a fallen lightsaber and I'm sure everybody knows it by now, but it's Ahmed Best who played Jar Jar Binks. Right. right. And the, the funny thing is, it's not technically a new character. That's what I heard. He's he's played this character before because, like, what was it? It was a YouTube show, like, maybe two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was basically, like, you know, Temple Run from back in the day on Nickelodeon where it's, like, they're playing like little obstacle course challenges with kids right. and they're all like Padawans and he's playing, I got the name. Who is it? Keller and Beck. Yep. Right. So it's him door opens. He's looking grizzled. He's got some definite five o'clock, maybe 10 PM shadow on his face. And he takes apart some stormtroopers. Like he genuinely gets a badass, multiple badass moments. They did him so right they like, did it was a little op but everything he went through he deserves that you know what i mean you could tell I, you could you could you could see the the literal overcompensation but it's just like but you deserve <laughs> it <laughs> but, right? but you you deserve it though after all you oh. went through let him and have apparently it. like part of the character's established backstory is he's called the saber fist mm. right because he's like such a great combatant and he's a dual wielder and it's just like okay Wow. I don't care. Go, go with it. Go with it. <laughs> and so for anyone that doesn't know part of why this is a big deal, it's not just like, hey, it's the guy that played Jar Jar, Jar. Binks back in the day. Right. Is like he, as an actor, got so much shit yeah. for Jar Jar. Not like, hey, we didn't like your performance. They didn't like Jar Jar, the character. And a lot of people took it out on him. Yeah. Same thing happened with, with Jake Lloyd, who played young Anakin. Like, mm -hmm. He didn't like the six-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's take it out on the actor. And Ahmed Best, like, I think it was a few years ago, had he had an interview come out where like he was like, yeah, yeah, no. Like, there's a spot I take my kid out on the bridge, right? Because that was the spot like X number of years ago. I almost committed suicide because... I was dealing with all this backlash wow. and like, you know, my career wasn't in a good place. And like, he almost killed himself. He genuinely almost killed himself and he didn't. And so now that spot on the bridge is where he broke away from that and started sort of rebuilding himself and, and just shoving away, you know, all that negativity. Wow. Um, but 
for Star Wars to bring him back. And it's yeah. not the first time. He had a small role in like the Clone Wars movie bit part. Um, but this is like really allowing people to come back to the actor. Yeah. Right? So I think it works even if somehow you didn't know that who that was, right? right? It just sort of works of like, here's this Jedi, here's this great action sequence. He's trying to get him away from the Jedi temple. He's getting shot down out of the sky by like stormtroopers, barely lands on a on a platform where there's a waiting Naboo ship with troopers. And I, I think what all the, the Naboo troopers like fight off or try to fight off the yeah. clone troopers that land mm -hmm. right on their tail and it's yeah. just to give him and grogu time to get on the ship and fly away right and they they jump to hyperspace after they get to orbit but they, and so they, clearly it's like well there'll, there'll be more where are they going all that sort of stuff but but that escape scene where they're flying through the city that was beautiful yeah like going through and the it city looked, and, up, and it looked like the prequels version of coruscant yes yes like, yes it's done very well mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed that and of course now there are people thinking well that's a naboo ship and who at that point in time is the senator from naboo jar jar binks <laughs> so some people are what? like Wait a is jar jar oh. binks working with jar jar binks to save grogu and it be and it oh. becomes i think this larger question now of like why are they all trying to save grogu like it's one thing for the empire to be interested in but it seems right. like the jedi somehow knew or thought he was special mm -hmm. right worth getting out instead of we've got to get everyone out right it seems very coordinated and specific so that's clearly like they're teasing more and stringing us along and that's fine right so we'll have to see how that goes and then, and then groku's like oh, oh more flashback yeah it was really good i guess flashback layer storytelling that was incorporated in the middle of a different story sandwich and so after that segment of the flashback we get back to the mission the kid has been saved the level of competency and the mandalorians vary episode <laughs> to episode scene to scene even though some of them they did some nice moves as far as like tying up the wing of the space pterodactyl. They have this fight of, while trying to get the kid loose, Paz gets halfway eaten. He's in the mouth <laughs> of the pterodactyl as it's flying. So that pterodactyl is taking out the whole family at one time. We got the kid <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to crush and feed him. And then, and then the dad is in the mouth, you know, trying to get swallowed. And so this is rescue mission that's kind of, you know, they're trying to work it out and they do end up working it out. And it's just kind of Bo funny Katan's that- again the key player because yes. she's the one that gets in close and stabs it in the eye yeah so we could and drop that, the dad and the then, drop drop dad and the kid and the kid and she flies yeah yeah and she saves them um but and i do uh, like i do like that din catches the kid midair mm -hmm. right yes. has mm -hmm. the jetpack down to catch him yes and then lands with the kid next to Paz. and again din doesn't make a clean landing <laughs> it's kind of rough right. but then i'm remembering like oh right it was only like season one that he got the jetpack mm -hmm. a lot of the other mandalorians like got their jetpacks a long time ago i feel yeah. like din is like the the poor kid mandalorian so it's no surprise it's like okay yeah he hasn't quite learned how to fly that thing yet and so the whole situation kind of ends with the mama pterodactyl getting eaten by the turtle gator <laughs> right <laughs> 
quite the callback. Yes, very, very much so. Yeah, so I thought that was very interesting. And um, no sooner than I start thinking like, man, so what about the babies? Then we have a scene where they're coming back to camp mm-hmm. and and Bo-Katan mentions that they have... They're going to train them. Yeah, that they have some new um, some new foundlings that they want to want to train and uh yeah the three the three birds come the three pterodactyl birds come comes out of the ship and welcome to the clan the the mandalorians like writing stuff so i i remember there's a old dark horse star wars run and it's from you know thousands of years ago i don't think it's i don't think it's tari vizsla i think it's a a different mandalore you know, the leader of Mandalore. But they're causing havoc and invading and da-da-da-da-da. But they have essentially these, like, these cyborg sort of animal steeds. Not quite in a horse configuration. They're, they're like, t- like size of elephants, if not bigger. And they just got, like, weapons bristling here and there. And they fly and all this sort of stuff. So it's definitely, like, a thematic thing where they ride into battle on animals or things like that so it makes more sense mm-hmm. and it sort of goes to again why they're probably there is because they're probably trying to catch those things and train them and be like old school mandalorians and because those monstrous things are there no one else is there right so yeah. they don't expect anyone else to come stumbling into camp like in episode five it makes more sense that they're there yeah that's cool so we saw like during the battle, Bo-Katan ended up losing a piece of armor. So mm-hmm. she is called in to see about getting that piece of armor replaced. Now it's asked, would you like the same symbol that you had before? Right. But she had a special request. Her request was to add the symbol of the Mississaur to have that engraved on the piece of armor. Right. And it was told to her that it wouldn't be wrong for her to have that symbol and the symbol right. is for all Mandalorians. Right. They Anyone want to use it. That. At this time, she confesses to seeing not having a vision. Yeah, but she clarified because the armor is like, oh, you've been blessed with a, vi-, you know, right. True Mandalorians have, you know, visions of like blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, 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 no. I saw no, a no, real no. one. <laughs> I saw a real one. Ain't no vision. And oddly, the armor's response is kind of cryptic of like, this is the way. And it's like, no, no, no. What the fuck do you mean? This is the way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So it's interesting because like, Bo-Katan doesn't, she doesn't seem to be revealing that as like a move Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it's as a move where she's like hey you know there's the myth of the mythosaur and when it comes back da 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 she's not talking about it in that way she doesn't seem to be approaching it in that way where she saw a mythosaur and she knows it's important so that's probably why she wants it for the pauldron because like holy shit i've seen this thing and it's important to me but she's not trying to present it as like, I'm I'm the chosen one or whatever. It's just like, holy shit, no, I saw an actual mythosaur. And the fact the armor just, just takes that in fucking stride, just like, yeah, I guess it's back. This is a way. Just like, come on. No reaction? No? 
<laughs> right. And I don't know if that's supposed to be the armor playing games on her own, or if it's just like, yeah, the myths are true. The mythosaurs are back. Like, and, and she's just so on board with whatever's going to happen. So it's still one of those things of like, I was expecting a little bit more from the armor because it's like, wait, the mythosaur's back, right? Because presumably the prophecy would mean something to the armor. But I don't know. We'll but, have to see. There, there's some interesting stuff starts but, to percolate next episode. With the armor, like, I always, since the beginning of seeing her, always never had a clear read on her. It's like almost mm -hmm. like I always thought she was shady, but I didn't see that she had any reason to be shady. And she always kind of came through to offset it. I, I just didn't know she's supposed to be like a Morpheus type of character that speaks cryptically, but it's only to help you find your own insight, leading you without leading. But I couldn't really I can't really tell with her. So part of me was kind of like mm, if I if in a different world, I would have thought she was a bad guy. But in this one, she mm. never confirmed that and so i just took her as being like i said a wise person that kind of seen a lot and that's just the way she kind of speaks but you know we'll see where it goes yeah i it'll be interesting i don't i don't know like the whole thing where it's like now that i see this connection between death watch and children of the watch she's got the horns i still never quite got like a vibe of malice or anything from her like no, no. she seems like absolutely 100% legit of like we need to protect Mandalorians and to do that is to live by the creed yeah. now some of that might be because maybe she was or was not part of Maul's group or she saw just all the civil war stuff that happened with the, the Mandalorians it's like those that was all the wrong way of doing things yeah. that's why the creed is so important to her right mm -hmm. and she is cryptic but I feel like she's a little bit less of a mentor. Like Morpheus is like clearly a mentor of right. like, I'm going to say cryptic things to you because I have to give it to you piecemeal because if I tell you the whole thing, you're going to lose your mind and puke on the floor of my, my ship. Mm -hmm. But with the armor, I feel like, dude, you've read the creed. I'm just going to repeat to you the creed and remind you that the creed is important because this is what we need, right? Yeah. And it's like there might be bits of perspective that she gives, like with talking with Grogu, but it's, I think, less of a mentor. No, it seems like the Mandalorians are very much like Spartans and like, we're just going to put you through some arduous shit. And when you mm -hmm. come out the other side, you'll be a Mandalore or you'll be dead. Oh, no. The reason why I said that is because, okay, so usually, like I said, she'll see stuff or uh, you tell her stuff and she's very dry. Like the whole thing, like the possibility you would think somebody who thought that Mandalore pretty much didn't exist anymore. It was uninhabitable. And this person is bringing you a piece of it saying it could be there. And the comment is kind of like, if it's there, <laughs> if you jump in the pool of Minnetonka, it's... you know what I mean? And I'm not knocking it, but it's just funny how nothing seems to throw her off. She's just very, just, you know, it's like I'm, she's I'm on Xanax this. or something. It's, like it's not bad, but it's just funny because no matter what comes up, even the possibility of that lake still being there, right? It's, it's not like, and she wasn't dismissive. Like, what do you mean? Are you crazy? That that lake is no longer there. The waters is no longer. She didn't say that. She was kind of like show and prove. If you, right. you know, hey, I think I have evidence. Well, you know what you need to do then. 
Also, no one's like, oh my god, Mandalore's not, not poison. We should go back. Exactly, like, exactly. So this was the first time I ever seen where she kind of made it, an action based off of what was told to her. Like it's been brought up and, and, and kind of said things and she just kind of like takes and like, okay, you know, that kind of thing. So later on, we get some like confirmation that not only does she hear things, she also moves based off of them if she feels she needs to, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. So that was chapter 20, The Foulings. It's Jay. If you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan, please check out our episodes where we talked about The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Spider-Man No Way Home, and the movie Batman. Thanks for listening, and until next time, peace.